You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? Welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club for Thursday, January the 13th, 2022. My name is Marvin and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that through our days. We welcome back the self-proclaimed professional Asian American, Just Jew. Hello. <laughs> She's hanging on by a thread, Marvin. <laughs> it's only been a week. And that's enough, Marvin. That's enough. <laughs> also joining us once again, uh, professional coach editor, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hey. Happy New Year. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> that's what they say. Man. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> New Year, yes. New Year. How was everyone's holidays? If We haven't talked since um, our last podcast, what, three weeks ago? So um, Jess is back from her european holiday vacation han and i have been recuperating um over the holidays hopefully not doing too much work although han you're you are back in the throes of tca (laughs) critics week huh oh my god it's tca again it started last week and then it will go through near the end of february so i had one today and i have three more to go in in this week um yeah it never ends i I had one week off. Um, did I write a story during that week? Maybe. Um, uh, and my holidays were kind of non-existent. My my brothers and I kind of sent each other gifts early because we were afraid of the supply chain. So that meant like <laughs> I got my gift in November. And so, you know, Christmassy time was sort of devoid of anything going on. So I, uh, you know, I did call my family um, and... That was nice, but um, it turns out because Omicron's everywhere, a few of my relatives got <laughs> Omicron for Jeez. Christmas or right after. I feel um, like, they were, yeah. <laughs> so this is this is not my joke, but it truly is 2022. Yes, yeah, the second but coming yes. of 2020. Yeah, it, it really does. There's a lot of deja vu going on because um, all the shutdowns of all the events. Um, I have a. a we hired the new intern to be our news part-timer. And so I'm having her pitch me news every day. And so every day she's pitching me like, so the, the Grammys got canceled. I'm like, we're not going to do a canceled story because we would be nonstop writing canceled <laughs> stories. And an ongoing story we add to will be nonstop. I was like, we're just not going to do that. <laughs> so Yeah. Jess and I are funny. no longer going to Park City because they've canceled all mm-hmm. live events at Sunday. Honestly, I'm like a little relieved because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't want to like... It's already like Sundance on its own on a, like a non-COVID like normal year is kind of like a stressful shit show where everyone gets sick afterwards mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, trudging through the snow and like to do that it, with like COVID and masks and like all that. I was like, oh, God, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. So very relieved. <laughs> Look, I was excited that even the Golden Globes this past Sunday, I didn't have to watch. So, uh, because it was not broadcast and a lot of people were boycotting it. So I didn't even yeah. know it happened this past week. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you have an award show and it doesn't get broadcast, did it even did happen? Did it even happen? No, because award shows are not real events. They are PR events. 
In February is typically the month of PR events. It's typically when the Super Bowl happens, the yeah. Oscars happen, and like now it's all out of whack. The schedule's out of whack. That said, MJ Rodriguez did win first trans woman to get a Golden Globe, so I do want to celebrate her. But yes, uh, exactly. I hate awards <laughs> so much. Uh, all right, Jess. How was your vacation? Oh, it was lovely. I like. Yeah, it legitimately was like a woman, like a fucking Hallmark movie. There actually is a I don't know if it's Hallmark or Lifetime or whatever. There is Mm -hmm. actually a movie called Christmas in Vienna. And Mm -hmm. the main character's name is Jess, but she's played by Sarah Drew, Mm -hmm. um, who does not look like me. No, (laughs) she's April Kepner from Grey's Anatomy, for those who don't know. But like (laughs) we kind of like we're concocting our own like drama called My Coconut Prince. Because <laughs> um, my boyfriend is Filipino, he came up with the name, and then and also the song of our trip was "My Coconuts" by Kim Petras. Oh Don't God. know why, because Kim Petras is German, and we thought that would be appropriate. Like it was, it was a weird mashup. But then, like, here's what they don't fucking tell you: it's fucking cold over there. I mean, I, mean, I think we knew that. Yeah, right? we could have told you that. Well, here's something else. Else, my dumbass, <laughs> my dumbass was like, "Look, I gotta look cute for these photos." So I was wearing a sweater that I did not learn until the last day, or I was wearing a coat. I was wearing this wool coat that I did not learn until the last day. Effectively provided me zero warmth, mm-hmm. which is why I was so fucking cold the entire time. And then the last day, I switched over to like the Uniqlo, like a puffer jacket, which is like cute, but like it just makes me look like a Michelin man because I'm not like a small. Gay gal so like by finally because it was like it was like sludgy you know like it was like mm-hmm. raining and like kind of like gross so like on the last two days of the trip um where it actually was snowing and not just like snow on the ground i switched into my um you know uniqlo trench like bomber long bomber and i'm like holy fuck i'm so warm this mm-hmm. is i was like oh that coat did nothing for mm-hmm. that other coat did nothing for me but it looked cute it looked mm-hmm. cute i feel like you should have been more prepared it was like it wasn't like it was like i was still like i could still function it's just like you know like it was maybe not as pleasant to like linger Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. um and i will (laughs) say like i made it out of that with um without catching covid thank you bavaria (laughs) and austria you know they were they're very legit on checking all the documentation and like every every train we took every uh restaurant we went to they all checked our covid uh you know our vaccination record against an id that was cool uh christmas market super cute and then um ooh the mugs i came back with like seven mugs because that's a thing oh funny it was great and then uh, i was also <laughs> there's some things that were still closed so it was also like it forced me to like slow down because it's like oh the thing you want to do it's just closed like what can you do so I actually really like this version of traveling. I think I have to adopt more of this like slower, just chill, just vibes, um, you know, go around without a plan. Well, I mean, at least plan ahead with your wardrobe, because I think if you want to do the cute <laughs> coat, you need to layer in those thermals. underneath. I yeah. did layer. I did layer. <laughs> but then the problem is then you get too hot when you're inside. If you like it's it's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a whole ordeal. OK, Marvin. OK. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Welcome back, Jess. <laughs> We're glad that you're back with us here oh, in no. LA. Um, 
for another year of Good Pop. Uh, on this first Good Pop episode of 2022, we are catching up with the MCU, specifically Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home, um, the TV show and movie that came out during our break. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through, I guess, the break. Um, Jess, what's popping? So I, over the break, I watched uh, Disney's newest animated feature, Encanto, which came out on Disney+. Plus. And let me tell you, ooh, ooh, let me tell you, it's like Disney was like intergenerational trauma, but make it magic. Um, <laughs> fantastic movie, I will say. And I've been very deeply in the Encanto TikTok um, world. It's very fascinating. Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the music and homie did not fucking miss like mm. five, six for six, like in this um ridiculously catchy like amazing and um someone pointed this out on i don't remember i don't remember it was tiktok or twitter but they're like and i i think they were able to articulate why i i I, a lot of like modern day movie musicals make me annoyed it's because modern day movie music and i think musicals uh, uh i think paul and pasic are very guilty of this in what they write for their films not what they write for their stage stuff but they're just like very generic pop songs that could like kind of fit in any situation vague situation um and you know think of like greatest showman like this is me like what does it mean what, what does this is me mean <laughs> like i don't know like you could slip and then and i think part of the strategic right they want that to also maybe be a top 40 song but like lin-manuel miranda like is like fuck that we are gonna make the most oddly specific song about how we're not gonna talk about a certain character it's it's fantastic it sounds like your favorite you know it's the signature lin-manuel miranda with the layering and like the chorus parts and everyone singing different part beautiful like kind of diversity of character um but yeah man the theme they really said intergenerational trauma (laughs) and i was discussing with some people online and like a few friends online who had also seen it and i was like you know honestly like abuela's not that bad (laughs) like like yeah she's kind of a bitch but like she's actually not that bad i Mm -hmm. know people i know grandmas who are i know other people's grandmas are like much worse like some grandmas will just outward slay to you like you're fucking worthless and i hate you and you shouldn't have been born you know like she's Mm -hmm. not saying that and then they're like just know that you're just that doesn't mean she's right i think you're just really traumatized yeah, I have not watched Encanto. I'm waiting to watch it with my girlfriend. But what is the Abuela discourse? So there's like this, yeah, yeah, like Abuela is, you know, she's a she herself is a survivor of you know trauma, as a lot of our like family members are, and like it's root, it's it the movie and the family and the story is rooted in like Colombian culture and history, so it's very specific about like the civil unrest and violence that happened in Colombia. So, you know, she like basically loses her husband and it's like a very traumatic thing. Um, and so she kind of in that way that like a lot of like gen- immigrant gender like families like like basically they feel the pressure to make her proud because she lost so much and sacrificed so much. They're like, we have to do you proud, which I think is like a very immigrant first gen thing, like every first gen, even if you're non-filial like i am like you still have that like nagging urge like ooh, 
your grandma gave up a lot. Like they, your your mom f- gave up a lot. She went through a lot of shit. Like for you to what? Like question if you're happy? Like <laughs> like get over it. Like just do what you got to do. Um, and just how all the different ways it affects you know people. Like you know, there's a like it's it's very subtle. Like I think if you're a kid with like an emotionally healthy family, this will all go over your head. I think if you are in a family that has you know, culture clash, intergenerational trauma, anything like that, you'll be like, oh, wow, look, invalidation of feelings. Oh, well, the need to be like very like outwardly strong and competent, not show weakness. Oh, well, look, the need to feel like you have to be perfect all the time and just go with what everyone thinks of you and live up to the expectation. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, we're gonna go cry now. (laughs) Yeah, so highly recommend Encanto (laughs) is my my wrap up here. Coming in hot. All right. Han, what was popping with you over the break? Well, so there's a theme to some of the things I'm going to be mentioning, but I will focus on one. But uh, so I binged the latest season of Queer Eye. Always happy to be back with my five guys. Um, They were in Austin, Texas, which is always fascinating to me because Texas is and and still is actually very uh, interesting place to be these days. PBS's All Creatures Great and Small just started again. It's the second season, which is uh, set during uh, after World War II, but between World War One and Two. I can't remember now. Um, but in the uh, English countryside, has a lot to do with sheep and you know farm animals. Very nice. Um, and then uh, I also got down with the Calm app, and that's the thing I'm going to talk about because pretty much everything I am being drawn to. These days are very soothing, mellow, feel good things. And my I'm not one to make uh, resolutions, but my, let's say, uh, intention of 2022 is to just prioritize mental health and really do it, not just say I'm going to do it. So, uh, I mean, the the one thing I'm dragging my feet on is finding a therapist, but I still do need to do that. But the first thing I did was um, figure out like. Apparently, my workplace has a discount with Calm. So I signed up for that. And I just realized that my health insurance, I think, gets me free headspace. So I'll check that out at some point. But so uh, the Calm app for any of those who haven't tried it, I am very bad at meditation. I've been doing yoga for maybe 20 plus years. Pretty good at yoga. Pretty bad with meditation. And um, my mind is just not still. And so... uh, I've been trying to do that because honestly, the past two years have been very difficult to still my mind and get sleep. Um, my sleep, I've always been an insomniac and um, it's gotten worse, <laughs> apparently. So uh, this is one of my ways of trying it. So not only do they have like daily meditations, all that type of stuff, but the fun thing that I was very interested in are the sleep stories, which if you have not heard of them, are celebrity narrated stories for you to fall asleep to. They're bedtime stories for adults. They also have kids <laughs> kids ones. Now, uh, and then you can figure out which ones you like. There are a lot of stories about trains, trains that are going through various places in the world. <laughs> and then you can hear about geography and they're narrated by people from that area. So um, the things I seem to like the most are anything narrated by an English person. <laughs> um, if you are from... Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, One Direction, any of those things, I will probably listen to your sleep story first. Um, the rhythms 
are really nice. Uh, sometimes they're, they're much slower. There are other people I never knew of. And I just like looked them up and I was like, you're amazing. You're a great narrator. A lot of these sleep stories are, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30, 45 minutes. So the goal is, of course, you don't hear the end of the sleep story. <laughs> is um, there a Cillian Murphy sleep story? Yes. And that's one of my favorites. <laughs> he has one um, on the train. Um, and it is definitely set in Ireland. He has such a beautiful little lilt. And I've listened to that actually two or three times. So I was about to say, I should have said Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders season six. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if like Liam Neeson's like narrating and all of a sudden someone's like taking the train hostage and he has to like fight a bunch of wolves. I would kind of love Because the wolves that. have kidnapped his daughter. But yeah. then you'll never hear that part because you'll fall asleep during the nice quiet part. It all minute. depends. You you can definitely tell when I'm having a really bad sleep night when I actually get to the end. and I'm like, do I need to start another one? Um, because it's usually in the middle of the night when I wake up is where my bad insomnia is. So, uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I don't know if I'm, you know, 100%, uh, recommend this to anyone. I don't know whether or not it works for you, but, um, I think it's kind of a fun feature. It's one of the reasons why my boss knew who Harry Styles was (laughs) because he does what I, I've been saving that one. I will listen to it, but, um, I've been saving for, uh, it up in case I really needed it. So we will see if any of these things make a difference. But um, yeah, for right now, I have my little celebrity friends in my phone talking to me. <laughs> All good. Anyway, so what is popping with you, Marvin? All right. So I spent the break catching up on video games. Um, so my brother somehow acquired himself a PlayStation 5 over the last year. And so Ooh. for Christmas, he gifted me his old PS4, um, which used to be at our house. So it has a lot of my old safe games on it. So I figured let's spend the break catching up on a lot of games I didn't get to finish um, before he you know, moved out and took the PS4 with him. Uh, but I made the tactical error of starting off by trying to finish um, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, which is a game by Rockstar um, that came out a couple years ago. It is an open world immersive sim where you play as Arthur Morgan, an outlaw um, in the Wild West in the late 1800s during the waning days of the Wild West. It has an expansive story um, and a massively open world where there's a lot of side activities and um, procedural storytelling. And I had planned to, you know, finally finish the game. Um, but man, those of you who've played Red Dead Redemption 2 before, um, know that there's a lot to distract you in this game. And before I knew it, I had spent several real-time hours essentially virtual backpacking through this um, virtual wilderness, um, hunting bears and gathering herbs. That is exactly what I did with Oregon Trail um, <laughs> to the point where like, I had so much bear meat, I had to get rid of like tools and shit. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Seems, sounds like the same kind of vibe. Yeah, so um, that took up a lot of my time and I'm no closer to finishing the game than when I started. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it was good to um, have a um, not really next-gen system again, but a system capable of playing AAA games. But the other thing that happened was, um, since it was the end of the year, there was a lot of sales going on in the PlayStation Store. So I ended up picking up some games that I have wanted to play for the last couple of years, but haven't been able to because I didn't have anything powerful enough to play them. So I picked up The Witcher 3, um, which is the game by CD Projekt Red, um, based on the fantasy book series by Andrzej Sapowski that the Netflix show... Um, is also based on. 
Uh, and I also picked up Control, which is a game by Remedy, uh, best known for making Max Payne and the Alan Wake series. Um, Control is their take on like Twin Peaks meets Fringe. And it's a really interesting, you know, narrative game that I've been wanting to play for the longest time, but um, just haven't been able to. And yeah, I ended up adding games to my um, library, much like book lovers add books that they'll never read to their TBR list. Stop attacking me, Marvin. Stop attacking me. (laughs) It's very rude. It's like not even like two weeks into January. Please, sir. So yeah, that's what's popping from my end. Um, I've also been watching a ton of TV, including the Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus and The Expanse. Um, but I'm saving that for next week since the series finale for The Expanse is um, happening this week. And I want to get my thoughts together before bringing it back onto the podcast. But yeah, that'll do it for the first What's Popping for 2022. Uh, when we come back, we're talking all about the MCU, specifically the Disney Plus series Hawkeye and the latest Spider-Man film No Way Home. Stick around. Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's been a few weeks since our last episode. And while we were gone, there were two big MCU, I guess, properties that came mm-hmm. out. Um, Hawkeye on Disney Plus and Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters. So uh, we're going to take this opportunity to um, talk about both of these series. Um, let's start with Hawkeye, which is the standalone Disney Plus series starring Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye and uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate bishop who becomes hawkeye's i guess apprentice or sidekick um during this christmas themed what would you call it romp caper sure (laughs) i like both romp and caper where hawkeye has to deal with the i guess consequences of his murder spree back during um the blip uh, between avengers infinity war and avengers endgame and Haley steinfeld's character gets caught in the middle of it so i guess First off, I know, Jess, you did not watch this series, right? No, Jeremy <laughs> Renner's kind of a hard sell for me as much mm-hmm. as I fucking love um, uh, Haley Steinfeld. Uh, uh, you know, ever, I'm not going to lie. I feel like a lot of the series post-WandaVision have just kind of been letdowns. And <laughs> I wasn't that excited. You know, I didn't prioritize kind of starting this show. Mm. But Han, you you did watch this. Yes. And while I very much agree with Jess that Hawkeye is a very hard sell, 
Um, I still watched it and I still didn't find that it it did not redeem him in my eyes. I think he's very boring. He's such a dad. But <laughs> overall, the show was enjoyable. I think it helps that it was only six episodes. And that is basically a Hallmark Christmas movie. But with fighting. Kind of. I, I enjoyed it as well until the sixth episode. And I yeah. feel like it's a recurring theme. I think we're on record as not being big fans of the Marvel third act, especially when you don't need it. Yeah. I, I got to say the big fight at the end of episode six, it went way too long. Yeah. I think the issue is this. The big fight when it comes to an MCU movie is just ridiculously over the top, right? And you kind of expect that. And maybe that's why I kind of shy away from it because it's actually too much for me to take in. But I understand it. Like people go to the movies to get a larger than life literally experience. When it comes to the TV show, even though they have a really big budget for TV, like a ridiculously big budget, um, the fights can't be that big just because the budget doesn't really encompass that. So they try to think of other ways to do fights. And it's not even that they're like really small, like WandaVision, which was a bad fight, but they just don't know what to do with it to make it interesting. And so they, a lot of times, it, I think it ends up being just chaotic. <laughs> I just, yeah, I get the need to like have a big bombastic fight. And it makes sense in like, say, Avengers, because you're dealing mm-hmm. with aliens coming down and your superheroes fighting aliens. But if it gets too big, you run into the issue that the DC films run into where how does every film end with like a, like a planet or city destructive Yeah, moment, what's next? Right? I mean, the last fight in Hawkeye wasn't as you know dramatic as that but honestly if you're having like a bunch of mafia people storming like a building where are the cops this is new york city like this one definitely felt a lot more juvenile as an mcu project in tone and in how hard people were hurt (laughs) You know what I mean? The consequences. So I, I, it, it felt almost like Home Alone-ish. It did, yeah. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Like many modern MCU shows and movies, like this final act fight is probably the weakest part of a otherwise pretty fun show, right? Like Haley Steinfeld yeah. is really great as Kate Bishop. Florence Pugh comes back as um, Yelena. And she has some really great scenes. Like, I want to see her and Kate Bishop just, like, vibe. Show me that show. I want that show, you know? I would watch six episodes of them literally just going around New York and having fun. (laughs) Like, just uh, Yelena as a tourist is fantastic. Her just talking about mac and cheese is fantastic, which is a real scene, by the way, Jess. So <laughs> um, if, if if someone could just make a super cut for Jess of uh, Haley Seinfeld. Yeah. And, can I get a yeah. cut where it's no Jeremy Renner? Yeah. And it's, or can we replace Jeremy Renner with like Kermit the Frog? Because I love yeah. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that would be better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, because I have to say I am glad to have seen those two women in this show because I really enjoy them so much. Like. If you thought you liked Yelena in Black Widow, she's even better here because she's just doing her stuff Um, with Hailey Steinfeld, who I got to say is a great actress and comedian, especially Um, if you haven't watched uh, Dickinson, but you still have Apple TV Plus from watching Ted Lasso, watch Dickinson. It's really funny. And I know it's a 
Victorian era, you know, poet who eventually dies young sort of story, but it's really quirky and um, irreverent and she just plays it really well. So, um, yeah, I, I would, I think if anything that I, that anyone got out of this was that they're like, Oh, Haley Steinfeld is awesome. What else is she in? That is enough for me. <laughs> like I want people to like watch everything. I also like love what edge of 17. Um, oh, she's, she's good in everything. Yeah. Edge of 17. Like her transformers movie is better than it has a right to be <laughs> the bumblebee movie. Like yeah. she really sells this like emotional connection with a, a sentient car that can't talk. Bumblebee's great. Bumblebee's yeah. really good. Um, she's fantastic. She's fantastic in Pitch Perfect too. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. No. There's there's very little she can't do. I we all know and we all love how amazing, um, Florence Pugh is. Yes. It's just like you get these amazing, fantastic, like young women. Like you have this talent, and you fucking like you still need to build this show around like fucking Jeremy Renner, who like. People dislike so much that they try to give him the Mission Impossible series like franchise. And they're like, no, we'll take Tom Cruise. Yeah, I I was hoping that he would ride off into the sunset at the end of the series. I mean, to be fair, this show is kind of him passing the torch to Hayley Stanford. It's taking too long. (laughs) Hurry the fuck up. He should have just been out after the first one and let it become the Kaylee Steinfeld and Florence Pugh show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was really hoping that would be the big when we're talking about the big fight. I was really hoping he would die in it. So it <laughs> didn't happen, though. <laughs> that oh, would well. be a fitting, like, because the theme of the show is mm-hmm. his past actions catching up to him. And it would have been a fitting poetic end. But, you know, Disney being Disney, Marvel being Marvel. And like you said, the tone of this series is a little bit more like Kitty, right? It's, it's, it's OK if they didn't kill him, but maybe have him retire and go and have fun with his family. Yeah. Like that that was the sort of the premise of this whole thing is he gets caught up in this shit, but he needs to get home by Christmas uh, <laughs> in order to do all the things that his family wants to do, including ugly uh, Christmas sweaters and making gingerbread things. So uh, if only yeah. he didn't murder all those Asians Asian people. and brown people. <laughs> yeah. I'm also just like, bro. You are so, yeah, you are so fucking, again, I've not watched this, so <laughs> tell me if I'm out of pocket. But like, bro, you were so sad when your family got blipped. Why are you still out here in those streets? Go fucking spend time with your family. Again, you were so fucking sad when they all died. So like, hang it up. Just go live on that farm with Linda Cardellini. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like, just just vibe. Like, we're, we've, we've, how are, how is it in... 2021 the only og avenger that we've gotten shit from i guess we got black widow movie finally which was mm-hmm. i did find very enjoyable like mm-hmm. you know like like captain america's fucking joe biden now tony stark <laughs> is like dead uh, sorry spoilers if you <laughs> haven't seen endgame i guess or Sp- any of the spider-mans um and you know like th- i love thor i'm waiting like the thor thing is tempered by the fact that i had to watch chris pratt be chris pratt mm-hmm like you're going to give me more content about fucking Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, I think the story that my writer did, the headline was that uh, Hawkeye pretty much proves that Jeremy Renner is the least Avenger and people got pissed. At her. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she's not wrong. So. She's not wrong. Um, she's there not is wrong. a um, Captain America musical 
portrayed. I did in hear the about show. that, and, and I feel like I just want that. That's they, fun. They played the entire song as the post credit sequence, and I gotta say, like, I kind of wish they actually got Lin Manuel Miranda to write that song because what they gave us was kind of a generic Broadway song that I just did not like. This, you know, Lin Manuel Miranda also needs to take a break. He needs to spend time <laughs> with his family. You know, he has a lovely son and wife. Like just. Let this man take a break. Yeah, there are definitely other people who could probably have created an earworm. But I agree. Like, do I remember any other part of the the melody? Nope. So that tells it's not you. not a very good song. We need some earworms. Yeah. Um, Step up your game, Marvel, when it comes to musicals. I mean, you're Disney. Your <laughs> job is manufacturing earworms. Yeah, it's very hard to write good musical theater songs, guys. Like It is. We have to respect the craft. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. What else is there? I mean, there's, you know, all the reveals. They're bringing back Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Um, did he or did he not? I do die? like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes, he's great. Love him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of like the freedom generally. They seem to be going where we're like, we're gonna just going to pick and choose the best mm-hmm. and bring them back. Like, con- you know, like, a, was it consistency or continue? Like, like. I mean, Long-term it's a multiverse now, so they can do whatever yeah. the fuck they want. I mean, yeah. bring back Calling Wing then, you know? Yeah. I, Give um, us a universe where Finn Jones was never in the MCU. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot what the other thing that he just recently <laughs> did that made me pissed off at him, but whatever. Um, I do have to mention they did introduce new to our screens, that is, um, a... Uh, a Marvel villain Echo who is deaf and so they did cast a person of native um ancestry um who is deaf also and so she was good but I also don't know what if I cared what they did with her story but the flashbacks played by a younger girl who also I don't know necessarily if she's deaf but her signing was on point According to my um, my coworker who is half deaf, so she's an amazing actress, Darnell Besaw. So if you do watch, like keep an eye on her. She's amazing. I really want her to, like to see her in other things. But so I feel like in some ways <laughs> I see the MCU trying in this one especially to not only be more inclusive but also just like tell different stories. Um, we just yeah. need to push Jeremy Renner off. <laughs> just shuffle them off we got enough other characters let's let's explore them yeah give us more yelena and kate bishop yes yes please all right going from christmas in manhattan to christmas in queens right or brooklyn where where does peter parker live he's from queens <laughs> yeah um spider-man no way home and we're gonna talk about the spoilers off because it's been a month since the mm-hmm. film came out if you haven't watched this film yet, you already know what happens in it. It's the biggest yeah. film out there right now, and all the spoilers are out there. Yeah. So yeah. So if you still care about this, just you know, come back later. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about this film and all the stuff that got leaked anyways before we watched the film. So yeah, we really? all knew it was gonna happen. Right? <laughs> Wait, like, somehow I stayed spoiler free because maybe I have too many other things to pay attention to. So anytime I saw anything with a spoiler, I was just like. I don't even know what this means. And I like wiped it from my memory. So, <laughs> so I but, went in very pleasantly uh, and, and enjoyed it because I was surprised. That is, I'm happy for you because I got <laughs> spoiled by 
Well, I mean, everyone knew it was, was going to happen, mm-hmm. but then there was just people were already putting up screen like camcorder oh footage on YouTube. And because I watch MCU stuff on YouTube, it got sent to me by the algorithm and I got spoiled. No, somebody on some publicity team mm-hmm. released that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in the movie in the casting list like before the movie came out. Yeah. See, oh, this yeah. is the funny thing because when it comes to this is sort of a complaint as a journalist, like Disney and Marvel and Star Wars in general, which is all the same company, the <laughs> amount of uh, hoops we have to jump through to get screeners is ridiculous. And all I want to say is spoilers are not coming from us. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, there's always someone else in the chain. And uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely not us. I also like at this point, it's like, even this whole like discourse about no spoilers is like that means you kind of inherently know there's something to be spoiled. So in your heart of hearts, you know that you're gonna get all three spot. Like, I, I were you like genuinely surprised or shocked that like we got all three Spider Mans on? Yeah, I did because literally, like, I hadn't watched any trailers. I hadn't like I try to be as as blacked out when it comes to the mcu films as possible so that way i don't know anything because i i think i agree with you if you know anything about a movie you can predict it within the first five minutes right or or even before going in and so that's why i don't watch trailers anymore (laughs) because usually actually very smart of you yeah like i think if you watch the trailer from that first trailer drop with like you know you saw the green goblin and like doc i'm like yeah of course we're yeah. getting the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man villains. Of course we're getting Tobey Maguire. Like, we're yeah, getting- yeah, yeah, yeah. If Sony gave the green light for its villains, Sony gave the green light for its Spider-Man as well. So a yes. little Spider-Man story, Spider-Man story from me. It was back in the day during the first Tobey Maguire movies. Um, it might have been the second or whatever movie. Anyway, so I was interviewing. It was I was in a round table and I was interviewing people from uh, a movie called Tristan and Isolde. Oh my god! With James Franco and Erica Christensen, I yes. love that movie. Sorry, and, sorry, I love that movie. And so James Franco, um, I asked him about like the villains coming up in the movie, and he spills it. And no one at my roundtable was able to write it up fast enough, but I wrote it, so I got the scoop. You got the scoop. And then after that, everything shut down so much that I think at some point someone asked him something else at another junket. No, I can't remember. I think they asked um, Topher Grace about stuff or someone they talked about at Spider-Man. They said, well, since James Franco ruined it for us, we can't talk about those things anymore. Wow. So it was all your fault. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like were too, bad. too good at your job. Yeah. The, uh, but Cracking that- <laughs> James Franco open like a can. <laughs> Tristan, you saw it. I love how you knew that movie. I I went through like a sad girl romantic drama phase. I mean, I'm still in that phase, to be honest. So you do like Arthurian stories, Jess. When I mean, it wasn't very, yeah. Problems, (laughs) you know. James Franco. Now it's 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 you know if yeah, it's hard to. It sounds weird talking about James Franco in that light, but like before James Franco was like gross. James Franco, he was like James Franco. Yeah, like we were Mm -hmm. into James Franco a lot. Mm -hmm. So you know, I was like all for James Franco in chainmail, like Mm -hmm. pining over a lost love he could not have. That was my shit, Marvin. Why do you think I like the fucking Star Wars prequels too so much? (laughs) Yeah. 
I like sad girl romantic angst with like little fuckboys and like <laughs> night, like night, like whether they're space knights or like old knights. I'm that's that's my shit. <laughs> old knights. Anyway. I get it. There is there are two sides. There's the Arthurian quest side, and there's the you know the Arthurian doom romance side. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all for the doom romance. Like, give me a good tragic love story, comma not Romeo and Juliet because those were fucking idiots. But like you know, <laughs> circumstances getting in the way, yeah. like legitimate circumstances getting in your way of being in with who you love. It's it's great. Love that shit. I don't like doom love stories, but whatever. It was my job, <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Going back so, to the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yes. No Way Home. Um, it was fun. Uh, I watched it in the theater. I think we all watched, had to watch it in the theater, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually watched it in a drive-in because mm-hmm. uh, my girlfriend and I did not want to um, sure, risk makes- the Omicron. Um, but it was my first time at a drive-in and mm. probably not the best venue Wh- to watch. Why? A action-y movie. Because... Um, for people who don't know, drive-in theater, you you drive into your car, they like, you know, you, you're watching on the screen, and then they broadcast the audio over the radio, but because it's coming in through radio, there is like a half second lag. Oh. Ooh, I didn't get gnarly. that. Uh, but I've only done it recently at at Universal Studios with an um, SNL episode, so there wasn't a lag. So mm. I don't know if it was just the the radio signal or what, but that sucks. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So the audio was out of sync with the screen. Also, there was this big light on the side of a warehouse. Oh, this was distracting, and a lot of that movie is kind of dark. Yeah. So I couldn't see a lot of it neither. So it wasn't the ideal place. I saw a lot of fun, but it was not the most mm-hmm. ideal way to watch it. I gotta say, probably like a kids movie probably would have been better because I've been invited to a lot of kids drive-in movies. So yeah. maybe I should do that. Or more of a talking movie, you know? Sure. I get it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it in a packed theater in Florida, hoping I <laughs> wouldn't get Omicron. I did not. Thank God. I don't know how. I was the only one. Me and my boyfriend are the only ones wearing a mask in the entire theater. Um, but Masks it was work. really, it was really fun because, you know, it is definitely one of those fun collective movie experiences you want to have when the three spider-mans come out i'm not gonna lie though though i I lost my shit the biggest when willem dafoe as green goblin (laughs) was like i'm somewhat of a scientist myself yeah (laughs) uh that was my favorite moment they had a a few good cheesy lines in there that were like sly uh it's it's also like wild thinking like i'm not gonna lie like they have you know, like, regardless how you feel about, like, Superman or superhero movies in general, Martin Scorsese, <laughs> but, you know, it is kind of incredible to think of having Alfred Molina, Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. okay, like, Sandman and Lizardman, arguably a little, you know, yeah. not, not, but, you know, it's an ensemble, so not everyone can be the, you know, the star, so that's totally valid. And, like, you know, like, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield and, like, Tobey Maguire, like, by all means, very talented actors just all together, right? And Marissa Tomei, the, how many Oscars between those mm-hmm. in like a Spider-Man movie? Um, and it's just pretty incredible. Um, I will say, I don't know if this speaks poorly of me and my lack. Maybe I'm missing an empathy chip in my brain. But, you know, the whole emotional crux of this movie mm-hmm. did not work for me. I agree. So... The overall, like, I guess, purpose of this film is to turn 
MCU Peter Parker into like the Marvel Peter Parker, which is a young superhero who is crushed by survivor's guilt, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's kind of like maybe strategic storyline, but like thematically, it is the it's his coming of age, right? Mm -hmm. It's his coming of age. This has all the standard tropes. It's about losing your mentor figure, right? He loses, you know, in this universe, I guess his Aunt May is Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And he has to like he's 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 coming up against like this very intense choice he has to make about how he wants to live his life or what kind of person he wants to be right without and ultimately without the guidance yeah. of his his you know the people who have been in his corner so he's like that it's like the yeah and also yeah. realizing that the more people that he lets into his personal world the more people that will get hurt because of him. are in danger yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. but but like as someone who's like. This is like such a dumbass question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why. Like, I and, and the, the weird things. Like, I see. I felt very gaslit because I feel like everybody else like just had really amazing things to say, and maybe I'm just thinking too much about it. Given that it is a superhero movie, but I'm like, what kind of fucking superhero is like? How is it even a question? It's like I'm gonna risk the lives of my every soul in my fucking universe that has already gone through something like a blip to maybe hopefully save one old dude with weird teeth <laughs> kill him just kill him kill yeah. them all they're all bad people i don't understand like i i'm like i'm like appalled i was like aunt may you're being a fucking dumbass bitch right now like come on come on so when she like <laughs> when she bites it i was like you know what you brought this upon yourself. No sympathy. That's what you get. Yeah, I think- I thought you were going to have a problem with them by turning Atme into the Uncle Ben character. They inevitably no. fridged a female character. I mean, no, it's mm. fine because she has stuff to do. And it's like, you know, it's it's she's the parental figure. I think it's like it's the fridge meets no, because fridging would be fridging Zendaya. Mm-hmm. It's like a version, it's 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 she actually plays the role of the old teacher who has to like bite mm-hmm. it, right? And she gets a lot to do. Um, but it's also just like like again, this like my my fully formed frontal cortex brain is like you are a fucking idiot like you're gonna risk the lives of how many millions of billions of people to maybe save one like i don't know this is me being like no you're a dumbass this is obviously (laughs) there is a one ethical choice and the ethical choice should have been to just off these people or send them back to be offed because you are the you're you're gonna risk like every other innocent life to like prove a point like yeah, I, what? I have to say I was not uh, emotionally uh, hamstrung like he was as far as like the morality and ethics of things. I was just like, dude, because our frontal lobes <laughs> are fully formed on and we're like, no, if he really wanted to be a hero, sometimes being a hero is taking that responsibility of doing that. Like, like, was it like I'm going to spin it. it was like maybe you are being selfish because you think you don't you don't want to like kill these people and like have that on your soul it's like no you should have killed these people yeah so that was a definite like beyond the whole fantastical things which i can accept more that was the thing that required us to sort of a sus- suspension of disbelief for me was to actually embrace that being a very difficult thing <laughs> so- i mean yes i also agree that the let's save the villains is kind of a questionable storyline um but i do feel like it was in character with the peter parker that we've known for the first two movies which is like a happy-go-lucky kid who like Mm -hmm. has no 
doesn't think ahead, right? He he just thinks about what he wants. Like throughout most of the like the first two films and half of this film, he's a selfish teenager. Or mm-hmm. he's just given bad advice he, from his parental figure. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's selfish. I think he's just a teenager. Like he's a teenager, it's fine. And yeah. it's just like, yo, you have done a lot. We really shouldn't be depending on a 17-year-old boy to like <laughs> be saving the world time and time again. Mm-hmm. Uh Jake Gyllenhaal really fucked up your life. You and Taylor Swift can form a club. Um <laughs> and it's just like it's 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 very it was very hard because like yeah that is obviously supposed to be the you know emotional climax of the story right like and like it, and it's very touching when he gets the spider-mans to like you know relate their own traumas and sorrows and that was very <laughs> sweet but it's like i'm just like sitting there like gobsmacked like you're so fucking dumb like that's all i could say like i kept turning to raymond i was like she's so fucking dumb he's so <laughs> fucking dumb like they're so fucking dumb like wh- why but then, on the other hand, I'm so grateful because I fucking love Willem Dafoe, and mm-hmm. I think he fucking killed it. He was great. He was great. Willem Dafoe is like you know Marvel times sometimes has weak villains, and Willem Dafoe has never given a weak performance in his fucking life. <laughs> Have you seen him in Aquaman? He is giving it a hundred percent Aquaman. Okay, this man will show up and do the most, no matter what role he is. He was so- acting the shit out of that side god character. bless you willem <laughs> dafoe okay i am very grateful to have you back um and it's it's just you know tom holland i think is an incredibly good actor i'm very pro hire past billies to do anything they want <laughs> like david alvarez is you know who plays uh bernardo in west High story is mm-hmm. also a past billy mm-hmm. love past billies <laughs> find it very charming but i'm just like y'all y'all are <laughs> i'm having a hard time i'm having a hard time understanding i like this lizard say i like the salmon who's just like just want to go home just want to come <laughs> yeah send them home send them home please i think the the scene that really i resonated the most was when um toby mcguire spider-man was complaining about his back because mm-hmm. he's old yes yeah i i liked how that they tried to give each of them a little bit more definition than just the things that happened in their movies. So, or, or, you know, in their respective things. So, yeah, I was I was happy about that. That was Yeah, and all the little moments where they're like, oh, you can shoot things straight from your hands. Like, well, that's different. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all very charming. And which one's Spider-Man um, 2? Which one's Spider-Man 3? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you know, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's like, yeah, okay, I'm a Link Spider-Man. Yeah, I get it. Okay, that's fine. Like, um, I did feel yeah, bad that he was the um, Spider-Man with self esteem issues just because no one likes his trilogy or his no one likes his well, series he's he's quite he's been from what i've seen on the interwebs he's give been given quite a redemption arc uh a a spider-man um like people have been coming out of the work saying he's actually their favorite slash the best spider-man mm-hmm. um and we can talk about you know he did not get the third movie but maybe he will now that would actually be really interesting mm-hmm. to see an older spider-man because we actually never get we never get that story right like we get except in the, uh spider-verse which was not <laughs> yeah 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 like so it actually would be kind of interesting to see like you know he's how many years removed from mm-hmm. one's death he's maybe like post this multiverse experience uh, like what what does it mean to be like a 30 40 year old superhero that has like decided to not form attachments for the entirety of his adult life to avoid that 
trauma happening again. Like, that'd be interesting. Make another Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> the traumatized, the depressed Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, so what did everyone think about the Doctor Strange and Wong, Wong of it all? I mean, I, I'm on record as being a fan of the metaphysical, magical side mm-hmm. of the MCU. Uh, <laughs> I still don't know. I find myself just liking Wong better than Doctor Strange. Well, for reasons. I'm I'm very, I love Benedict Wong. Yes. So I'm always sad when we don't get more of him. And I love, like, I love, you know, Wong in general, the character. So I'm very sad when we don't get him. But I'm very pro. This is bullshit. I'm out. Like, I respect that choice so much. Mm-hmm. And I do hope that we kind of get the like what while this shit is all happening, you know how like Thor Ragnarok takes place during like Captain America Civil War, like the Hulk and Thor just aren't there. Uh, I hope we do get that story. Maybe that's like Shang-Chi too. Like he's dealing with that shit while Doctor Strange is fucking shit up. I just realized that both Wong and Doctor Strange are played by Mending Benedict. Benedict, yes. Yeah, the Bennies. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm actually a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan in general. Like, I love most of his British things. But, of course, when the first Doctor Strange came out and there was the whole big to-do about casting and stuff, I was just like, oh, okay, I'll see this later. I still have not seen it, which means I went into this not having seen Doctor Strange. <laughs> and I, Oh, were you just so confused? Oh, well, mostly. I mean, I knew that there was a multiverse and I knew Wong, you know, s- certain things because he, like, Wong showed up also with one of the Avengers and stuff like that. But also, I was just like, He's American. (laughs) That was the thing that actually threw me the most. I was like, why don't you sound like Benedict Cumberbatch? So yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent. Can we talk about that? I I, I mean, it's good. I just don't like it because it makes him flat. It makes him very meh, um, boring. Well, he's he's supposed to be like an, like, he just sounds so. He sounds like like when a when a British person is douchey, it's still a little bit charming. Yeah, you kind of expect that. I mean, that's why he's Sherlock. But right, when right. like an American's douchey, he's like, I want to punch you, bro. Like I just <laughs> yeah. want to punch you. Like I felt like if he's gonna do American, he should have done like American for, uh, circa nineteen twenties, which is basically kind of British, um, like transatlantic. The transatlantic, accent. yes, please. Um, because I think there needs to be a sort of a highfalutinness about Doctor Strange that I didn't get with an American accent. And so I realized that there's still a handful of movies I haven't seen. Um, and so it is Doctor Strange, uh, the second Ant-Man, and Captain Marvel. <laughs> so mm. I'm going to watch those, and I need to finish the What If series, because I also hear that's very important. And, oh, wait, wait, not necessarily what I thought was part of the MCU, but I haven't seen the Venoms. So uh, I have a lot of MCU to catch up on, which is nice because, you know, it would take a while for the next one to come out. Yeah. Don't worry. You know which MCU movie I have not seen? Which? Iron Man. Oh, no more. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. And Thor 1 and 2. I, oh. I missed a lot. I missed a lot of the OG ones. And I was like, you know, at this point, I, f- I still have not technically seen Avengers, the first one. Mm. Um, only clips. I feel whatever. like you'd it's enjoy fine. Thor 1 and 2 because they're very, like, they're they're... <laughs> I yeah. don't like the Kenneth Branagh. Of- <laughs> I think he's boring. I think he's a boring director. He makes good playing movies, like things you don't have to think too hard about <laughs> and just like have noise in the background to pass the time. Like, have you seen his version of um, Murder, Murder? Orient no. Express. Orient Express. Or- Orient Express. It's just like, wow, that was a very mid movie. <laughs> like, you have all this amazing talent. It's a murder mystery, which I love. And 
I have you know, not like, seen any version of Murder on the Orient Express, but I do know the solution, and that's I don't think I'll ever watch it. Yeah. Oh, I saw. It's fine. It's very mid. <laughs> well, I saw the the original, but I think I might have also read it. But it's Agatha Christie, so it's kind of like if you know the solution, I can see why you might not want to watch it. Uh, yeah. Whether also Agatha Christie movies or plots get a little nonsensical, the more you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, if you poke a little too deep, it just totally breaks. I would out. also say, depending on what he does, whether or not he abides by the original ending or not, like I don't know if I cared. So I, yeah, I didn't bother checking it out. But you know, yeah, sorry for the Kenneth Brown tangent, but yes, um, <laughs> back to Spider Man. Yeah, oh my God, Spider-Man. please don't let him direct Spider Man. Um, but Spider Man. I think you have a question in this doc. Who is your favorite Spider-Man? Um, is this where we is this, yeah. this where we battle Who it out? Who is your favorite Spider-Man? So I have like very poor loyalty. I've actually never finished any of the trilogies. I think I've watched like two of the Tom Holland ones, one of the Andrew Garfield ones, two of the Tobey Maguire ones. But I will say the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man Sam Raimi movies have a very soft spot in my heart, particularly because I fucking love Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a great and actress. She's great, and I have such vivid memories of that first and second movie. I think the second Spider-Man movie was yeah, just to be fair, the second, fantastic. The second Tobey Maguire Spider movie is probably the best Spider-Man movie. It's so good. I don't know if this literally was a turning point, but in my mind it is, where I think that's where the superstardom of that movie changed everything about my job and the movie industry, where I think people... Even even beyond like Tim Burton's Batman movies, I think this showed people that it was broadly appealing and very good to have a superhero movie. And so this is the point at which Comic-Con made it very difficult to get into afterwards um, as a journalist. Like I could get a press pass, but like in the past, I used to be able to just stand in line for a panel and get in. But at, after that point, it got progressively worse where people were standing in line for days and um, they never used to give us press seating, but then all of a sudden they had to figure out a way to get press inside because we were not going to stand in line for days and miss every other panel. So I just seem to remember the before and then the after feeling of Comic-Con, which is totally different now. I mean, if you think about it back then, comic book movies were still pretty risky, especially Mm -hmm. comic book sequels. Like Spider-Man 1 was a huge success, but no one had like 100% faith that the second one would be any good. Right? And, it, and that one was amazing. Like, it really was great. I think it's one of the best superhero movies. It, I think part of the issue is that like as much as I think overall Marvel movies are very like current day Marvel MCU movies are very entertaining, very well done, very well crafted, some great talent in front of behind the camera, as much money to get throw at it. It almost like it's not special anymore. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, we take it for like part of it is we take it for granted, but it's like you release three a year. It's like, OK, whatever. Like, it's not that special anymore. Like Spider-Man 2 and even one from the Tobey Maguire one. Like that scene of, you know, like Spider-Man hanging upside down and like kissing mm-hmm. <laughs> Mary Jane, like it has like leaked into the pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know any moment within the last 10 years of Marvel movies that I could reference in one frame right. like right. that. And it would like people would know what I mean. And I also don't know if there has been any, maybe some if we dig some deep, but like that scene in Spider-Man 2 where Tobey Maguire 
um, you know, like has to derail, has to stop the train and he like almost faints, but they like grab him and like, you know, his mask is off and they're like, we're not going to tell, don't worry. Like you're just mm-hmm. a kid. Holy shit. Yeah. Like that is beautiful. Yeah. Like that's just, and, and the fact that, you know, this is like in an era before like mass CGI, I think that's also what helps mm-hmm. like doc. Do you guys remember doc Ox arms mm-hmm. were fucking puppets? Yeah, it was. A, they had to do that with puppets. It was a great movie. Great storytelling. Like it really was cinematic. Like that's it. I think yeah. like the people who follow the MCU now kind of forget that it wasn't just all this big you know explosions and stuff. It was like great storytelling. So yeah. Also yeah. like on, at the end of the day, um, Tom Holland's just, I think, a little too cool to be Spider-Man. I Yeah, look, really? I will watch any Tom Holland, any Spider-Man, anything that he wants to do, um, and I will not quibble with it. But I have to say, as far as Spider-Man properties go, I probably like the original um, trilogy the best with uh, Spider-Verse next. <laughs> I mean, or Tobey Spider-verse Maguire first. is probably the most nerdy yeah. Peter Parker. He's obviously the most nerdy yes. Spider. He's awkward. He's nerdy. He's yes. like not even that like traditionally handsome. Right. Like, let's be real. Like compared to like Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Even in this movie, he looked awkward the entire yeah. time. Like, it was good. It was good. Good stuff. Great. Love him. Love Tobey <laughs> Maguire. You know, remember the stories about that whole like lunch tray shot being a real take and they had mm-hmm. to do it like 120 times. Yep. Love it. You know, I think we're all in agreement here then that Tobey Maguire is still our favorite <laughs> Spider-Man. I think Tobes. that's also like showing our age. Um, but like, I think it's probably showing our age too. Like, it was. I think it's very form. I think the Spider Sam Raimi Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's were very formative. Although yeah, I will say, came out. the third movie does kind of hurt his his mm. cachet a little bit. So, but you know, we, you're we, probably better off not watching Spider-Man three. Just, just probably. <laughs> I know, like that famous like dancing sequence is from there, mm-hmm. uh, which is also like even in the bad movie, mm-hmm. there's like a cultural meme. You know, there's like a like a meme that came out of that that like. Is probably still referenced more than anything else in the other Spider-Mans. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I guess to wrap things up, let's go one by one. Um, do we think Hawkeye is good pop? Uh, yes, you don't need an answer. <laughs> yeah, just doesn't need it. I, it's very hard to say. I almost might have to say no, but then with Kate Bishop and... Um, Yelena in the same thing I would lean towards yes it's a very tough split down the middle for me because I think the rest of it is very blah yeah I'm at the same boat I think I wouldn't call it good there are good parts in it mm-hmm. but overall the series is just kind of it's as mediocre. the kids would say mid right it's mid, mid. It's, I do think that um, Haley Steinfeld is good for pop culture yeah someone yeah. like Haley Steinfeld who like legitimately is a very talented like triple threat as an th- introduction into the MCU sure I'll take it <laughs> fine <laughs> it's just I think it's just the same issue I feel like Marvel Studios still needs to figure out how to finish a TV show they 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 haven't figured out how to do the TV show quite yet and I think it's because they keep trying to bring in new talent to head up each show and they haven't quite figured out which those which are those people (laughs) to do it yeah so yeah yeah i agree i also think the way that marvel makes tv shows is not standard yeah no in all honesty like it has to be so like 
No other TV show has to could like to the level that Marvel TV shows have to like be concerned about everything else that's going on. <laughs> right. Um so I think it's probably like more of an uphill challenge yeah. than yeah. we would normal, you know, the layman right. would know. Right. Yeah. You can't get a showrunner who wants 100% control because to a certain extent they have to well, I mean, I, with I, others. And you can tell because here's the thing, Marvel doesn't even call them showrunners. Yeah, exactly. They call them head writers, which kind of That's in, the, gives me an inkling of how things are operating. Well, There's, except that's how the British call them. So uh, We're not British, Han! <laughs> some of them are British. I just we yeah. are not British. It's like I, I've noticed a very concerted like choice to use the term head writer. Yeah, but you're right for you're Marvel right. shows. Yeah, even in like our trade. So I'm yeah. like, oh, that's different because like yeah, showrunners have a. I think showrunners just would generally have a lot more power. Yeah, I they have creative think, control. Yeah, yeah. I don't think a the person in charge of a Marvel series quite has that same nope. amount of control. Nope, they don't. Yeah, I mean, if there was just one note I would give them, it's just not everything needs to end in a giant fight. <laughs> like, that something has to fall out of the sky. <laughs> or you know right? what something has to fall out of the sky think critically about what a fight is supposed to do storytelling wise and then do that instead yeah. of going no Han it's just bam bam flash flash no anyway you know, if they were going to go with the Crucis movie motif that final confrontation should have just been a diehard pastiche exactly right? storming the tower instead of like let's fight off a siege yeah if you are going to go like or I mean or they did Home Alone whatever so anyway, <laughs> hey, Skyfall did Home Alone, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. So there are many other Christmas action movies they could have pulled from. Um, yeah. All right, Spider Man: No Way Home. Yeah, good I'll pop? say yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yes, it's good pop. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe as we have discussed, maybe not the best of the, all the Spider Man movies, but I still very much enjoy. All the Tom Hollandays um, and Zendaya. Um, I, yeah. I f- they're just enjoyable. I just can't believe they pulled it off that they were able to just combine the create the Avengers of Spider-Man. Yeah, this is actually more impressive than the Avengers. Because who would have thought, right? Like, who would have thought? Also, shout outs to Ned's Lolo, Lola. Oh, that was really great. You know, um, and uh, and yeah, it's it, I do. Sometimes, sometimes though I do feel like the movement overall of like a lot of these movies is just like becoming fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has been reading fan fiction for like the last, I would say, 20 something years now, it's just like so weird because n- never would I have thought like these trash ass tropes, ridiculous things would, you know, be like in a movie, like a like a wide release <laughs> serious movie and i'm like is everyone okay like is everyone just reading fan fiction like like and you know even with the avengers and like time travel that's a very consistent like fanfic trope um i guess twilight is all fanfic and (laughs) i'm just like what is happening like that's like the trash part of me i try to keep separate from like my real life and now they're like infusing into one yeah it's it's amazing that concepts like the multiverse are now things that normal quote-unquote normies can talk about and understand and you know it helps that into the spider-verse introduced the concept of multiple spider-men right Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. but like I think there's like artful ways to do it, and there are like cringy ways to do it. Like I think Into the Spider Verse was a beautiful way to mm-hmm. do that, and I think part of it is the medium, right? And mm-hmm. it like 
Um, I thought that was beautiful. And I think it still did it better than the Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. What's the next Marvel thing that's supposed to come out? Doctor <sighs> Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Yes. We, to the point that that's that was the one of the ending thingies, right? I am oh, yeah. actually kind of excited about that one. Yeah. It has, yeah because we're all excited because of Wanda. Yeah. Like We're not necessarily excited because <laughs> of Doctor Strange and Benedict Cumberbatch with this weird American accent. We want to see Wanda's story continue, right? Yeah. I, well, is, I mean, I will watch Doctor Strange and I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. I'm excited or and, not. And, and and I do think overall that's like it's still this very awkward, weird, and like kind of dubious pattern of like we all kind of want to see these very complicated, interesting women characters mm-hmm. continue their story. Like I think we all like I think generally overall everyone's just really excited about Yelena mm-hmm. and like Florence Pugh, Yelena, Wanda, right? Elizabeth mm-hmm. Olsen's Wanda. And yet there's still kind of like the buttress to these like male-centered movies, mm-hmm. which I think is what's, you know, what was kind of the main root issue at Hawkeye, mm-hmm. right? Like we, there's so much more interesting characters around this like kind of bland white bread dude, yet we're still spending so much time on these bland white bread dudes who are honestly causing their own fucking mm-hmm. problems. Yep. <laughs> yep. <sighs> All right. Well, I have to admit I am feeling a little bit of the MCU fatigue, which is yes. which is why it's probably good that it's another like what three months until the next film. <laughs> yes. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well that'll do it for our first good pop culture club of 2022. Jess Han, great to have you back. Um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at just you tweets. And you can see me tweeting all about TCA <laughs> on Twitter forever at anonymous. Or you can mute my hashtag hashtag TCA 22. <laughs> you can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at good pop club. Um, check our past episodes. Check out our past episodes at good pop dot club. Um, if you do enjoy our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It does help us out. And man, there are more of you listening than I thought. So welcome to the show. Hopefully um, you enjoyed our hot takes on Spider-Man and um, Tristan and Isolde and <laughs> Tristan and Isolde Redemption. <laughs> we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Check out our fellow Potluck shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. 
Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.